Before we discuss the contents of some of the things that you learned that you're that you're able to share, when you got back into your body as a young person, uh, basically a toddler, uh, did you could you find the words to express to anybody what you've just been through? Absolutely not. It was absolutely traumatic. Going to my body of all my mortal experiences, going back into my body and being sent back was the most humiliating, humbling, most hard, difficult thing I have ever done in my entire existence. Because for me, after feeling that intensity of love that literally permeated every fiber of my being, when I had to come back I literally felt as almost as if I had been rejected by the Savior and he sent me away and I couldn't understand because when you're out of the body, you're like an adult mind. But when you go back into the mortal body, you go back to your chronological age mm. and being there laying again on the ground as a small child, I couldn't understand. Well, why did he send me away? What did I do wrong? I couldn't remember. Mm. And it was, it, and I laid there and I cried and I cried and I cried because I wanted to be with the Savior. And I didn't understand. That's part of the reason that the memories were sealed up for a time because it was to help me to cope and so that I would not divulge sacred spiritual things that were utmost sacred. And that is the thing that I have to say at this point. So the you know, minute you entered your body, you, you did remember a portion of it. Uh, how much did you remember? There, there, and when, And did you completely forget about the experience over the course of the next few years? Or did you just remember that you did have the experience for your whole life, but you couldn't remember what the content was? This is basically what, what happened. I basically forgot most everything except this. When I was about three or four years old, I can remember standing on a rainy day in the dining room window of the home in which we lived on Ash Street. And I was crying and crying and crying and crying because I knew deep down in my heart that I didn't belong in this world and that I had come from another realm and I had lived before. And that was home. And I was so homesick that I just sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed for I don't know how long. And I remember what my name was before I came into this world. I knew, no, I'm not this person here. I'm her. I remember her name. I know who I was. And that's home. And that's where I belong. And that's where I came from. And I want to go back. Let's 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 explore that for a minute. A lot of people who have near death or out of body experiences, they're usually older. They've had a life of experiences. In Sean's case, it was fourteen or fifteen years. Other people are much older, and they look back on their lives and have kind of a life review. You're only three or four years old. Uh, what yeah. what did you focus on? What was your what was the focus, if not your current life? The biggest focus was on my pre-mortal life, the biggest bulk of it. <clears throat> and I was shown a lot about who I was 
premortally. Um, I do know this, that before I was born, and this is probably, this is true for all of us, whether they're church members or not, I do know that I wanted to come down to the earth and volunteered. And I can remember laying prostrate on the ground in front of the Savior's throne before his feet. And I was crying and wiping his feet with my hair. And I told him, I said, Father, Heavenly Father, Lord, I would do anything for you. I will go down and do anything for you, whatever you ask, because I know that it will allow me to learn how to gain the attributes that you possess, because I am in so in awe of the, the height, the depth, and the breadth, and the degree to which you love all mankind, and the great compassion that you have for us all. I want to being in awe of you to become more like you. And I know the only way I can do that is to go down and to serve you, not myself, but to serve you and others and to sacrifice. And so I told him, I said, I will do absolutely anything you ask me to do, even unto going down there and sacrificing my life on your behalf. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he would take me up on the offer, but I know I made the offer. So that was a, that it, was a pre-mortal recollection of what yes. you said with the Savior or to the Father before you were born. Yes. Okay. Now this I do know. I did it because it was the only way I knew that I could serve him and show my love for him, but also to help me gain some of the attributes to become more like him. That was my goal. I want to become like you. I look up to you in such great awe and reverence. I want to be like you. Send me to get me the experiences so I can. I do know that regardless if anybody's a member of the church or not, we are all given assignments and mortality. And I will give you an example. I had a cousin who never had any sort of religious religious affiliation during his mortal <laughs> life at all. But he was sent down and he, and, he, and he met with those powers of be before he was sent down to his birth to, with agreement that he was not going to have a long life He agreed that he was going to take on having very severe juvenile diabetes and was going to suffer a lot in his life, very short, but that he wanted to do this and make this sacrifice to help his siblings and his mother and father learn about unconditional love and compassion. Now, he had very severe diabetes that was very uncontrollable. And basically, by the time he was 28 years old, he had to have triple heart bypass surgery, had gone blind, and also was beginning to lose his kidney function. And nobody knew how long he was going to live. And they didn't believe him that he really had really, really bad atherosclerosis and needed heart bypass at the age of 28, but he did. 
And when he came out of surgery, he was hooked up to all the tubes and the monitors and everything. And his mother left the room briefly. And at which time he got some mucus or something caught in the trachea in his throat and basically choked to death at the age of 28, not being able Mm. to get a call belt, get a nurse because he was blind. He was taken very, very young, but he served his purpose and his mission on the earth to come down and help other mortals learn some of the life lessons that he needed. Mm. So I know know that we all, all of us are given assignments. Doesn't matter what race, ethnicity, what nation you're born into, what what religious denomination you are or not part of, we are all given assignments to come here to further our own progress and that of others. Mm. That I think partially might answer in people's mind the question: Why do good things? Why do bad things happen to good people? Sometimes it's part of what we covenanted to do, agreed to do, either for our own individual eternal progression or like you said to serve a mission for the benefit of others it's really intriguing and answers i think a major question that a lot of us have so when you posed that well let me say it this way what else do you remember about your pre-mortal existence what what else were you shown about your your past life you you said you had a name obviously it was not the name yeah that your parents gave you at birth was a different name. No. No. I know that we read about uh, in the book of Revelation that we're going to get a new name. Uh, that's an interesting thing to talk about but or to, to observe. But please go ahead and describe more what, if you can, about your pre-mortal existence or what you remember learning from that period. I pause only because at that point, as far as regarding pre-mortal life, some of those things that I was shown are tied into my current mission here on the earth. And some of them are things that are so sacred that I can't talk about them. So basically what I shared with you about the pre-mortal life up to this point is basically that I'm permitted to divulge at this point. Okay. Um, so I just have to kind of let it go at that. But I think the time will come that I will be able to uh, possibly grant it to say, to say more. So it's fair to say that some of those things that you agreed to do or covenanted to do or were shown needed to be done in your life, they're still in the future, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And did you start to, did it in fact happen that you began to recall some of the events of your out-of-body experience at age 23 and was some of that tied to what the future might hold that you were being reminded about? Yes. Um, A couple of things happened that really started to wake me up, per se. In one instance, um, I had um, become a member of the church when I was seven my parents moved because my dad lost his job and had to move to a different city for his job. And they built a brand new custom home. And the day we moved in, the LDS missionaries came knocking on the door and wanted to teach my parents lessons. And they said, well, we'll help you move in. And they said, no, 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 come back at a later time. So basically 
they did come back and they gave my parents the lessons. So I sat the lessons with my mom and dad when they were, when I was seven. And then they came back later again. And I heard the lessons again when I was eight years old and my parents joined the church primarily because they knew that the gospel rang true to them. But also after me, my mother had had two stillborn children and they were able to answer for them the fact that there was a good probability because my mom had these two stillborn children that were both um, met their demise two weeks before before full gestational uh, cesarean delivery. They both died in the womb. They were perfectly normal. Apparently nothing physically obvious or wrong with them. They just died in the womb and they were not meant to be here other than to get a physical body. And my mom and dad wanted the reassurance that they might be able to be with them again at some time in the future after this life. So they joined the church that had a big influence on preparing them and making them ready to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. I didn't remember much of anything until I was about age 23. And then one time I was at church and um, got acquainted with her home teacher and I recognized him as somebody that I had remembered from the pre-existence. Also during that time, I started getting <clears throat> these images in my head that I was to go back to college and I was going to be on a campus in a downtown city area. And there was um, a building that was unusual architecture in that it had uh, glass that was blue and clear glass. and that actually ended up being a building that was actually physically present on the campus where I went to school, which was at, at that time, Portland State University in downtown Portland. And I also kept getting impressions in my mind that about my future husband that I would one day meet. And the only thing I knew that kept coming into my mind or my memory was that he had dark hair and sometimes would wear reading glasses and that he either obviously sometimes either would wear a like a blue suit or a blue uniform and that he was going to be somebody who had been raised in the Bay Area or San Francisco Bay Area. And so I knew I was to be on the lookout for this person that I would eventually at some time in my life cross paths with and this is the person that I was supposed to marry. Now, the Savior did show me one thing about him in, the, in my immortal existence before I was born. He would be a member of the church, but he would, he, I was shown at that time that by the time he came into my life, that I would be his second wife. <clears throat> and the reason I would be his second wife was because, for whatever sundry reasons, his first wife who converted to the church and hadn't been a church member very long would decide to divorce him and that I was to basically come along as his second wife or pick up the slack and be assigned to help try to keep him in the church and on the path of the gospel so that he would not become active, inactive and leave the church because he had joined the church to marry her as a convert. That's the reason why he converted. And I was trying try to help 
help him grow in his testimony of the gospel and stay on the straight and narrow. Let me ask a question shown... here. Oh, go ahead. Look, do you mind if I ask interject a question here? No, go ahead. So I think it's interesting. This might be a good point to talk about uh, what we call, some people like to call predestination, where we are required or can't avoid a certain number of choices in our life versus foreordination where we made promises or covenants or greed or wanted to go through things but we still retained our agency so when you talk about these experiences that you are are unfolding to you your recollection these are things yeah. i think it might be important for you to try and draw uh, the, the difference between a predestination where you're just, you know, you can't have, it's inevitably unavoidable versus a foreordination to do something. Let me, let me elaborate on this a little bit. This was not a situation that was predestined. It was a foreordination. And part of the reason was when I agreed to come down and serve my mission here on earth, I told the savior that I did not want to come down and have to spend my entire life alone that that was basically the only thing I would ask of him and other that, that I would do anything and everything he asked for me to do otherwise. So he basically found a person who was willing to step into that role in my mortal life and whom I would be able to mutually help and support in the gospel. And it would be by mutual consent that we would given the opportunity to marry I wasn't told by the Savior I had to marry him. I just knew that it was desirable for my benefit and his at that point. And he also showed me that at that point that he would have a child from this previous marriage. And because of the circumstances that I would be able to step into the role of raising her as her mother, because her mother left her and all contact, didn't send any cards, letters, or anything for several decades. And basically, I raised her from the time she was five years old until she left our home at the age of 20 without mm. any contact from her birth mother whatsoever. Mm. She called a couple of times, wanting to know if she could arrange to be involved with her daughter's life. And we said, sure, you know, start calling and writing some letters and we'll make some some arrangements to come by and visit and build a relationship with her, not just jump into her life since she'd been absent all this time, but, you know, make some effort here and we'd be more glad. Come step into the role and be her mother. You are her birth mother. Well, she elected not to do that. She basically just slammed them down the phone and cut off all contact. So I basically was hurled into this role of not just being a stepmother, but actually being a full-time mother to this daughter. So um, in this ordained arrangement, it was by mutual consent and all the parties involved were going to benefit in some way or be blessed by it. Okay. Um, you were going to describe another thing after this that I interrupted you about. Do you remember what you're going to talk about next as far as uh, oh, that, that was recollections? It. Okay. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Okay. 